Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Another week, another episode of The Last of Us, and honestly, I actually think I enjoyed this one more than I did the last. Maybe it benefited from me now kind of fully getting what this thing is and understanding that it is going to be a little bit different from the game. Or maybe it was just more tightly executed. But either way, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great hour of television. Even if there is one big thing in particular that I'm going to have to sit with for a few more weeks to fully get my head around. So, no mucking around this week. Let's get into our first up. And we're starting once again right at the very beginning. Now look, I didn't actually set out to write these scripts in a chronological order, but hey, what can I say? They keep delivering us these really fascinating and really left-field introductions and prologues that absolutely work and I'm just dying to talk about. This time we again get a look back to the early days of the outbreak following Dr. Ratner in Jakarta, who's called in to perform an assessment on one of the first Cordycep-infected victims. Now, I won't be the first or probably the last to make this comparison, but the entirety of this prologue was straight out of the Chernobyl playbook, and good lord, was it effective. The way it managed to focus the global horror of the outbreak and filter it through the reactions of a select few professionals who are burdened to know the truth of what's coming was just outstanding. That creeping dread is something the series has done so well so far, and that did not disappoint here. And what a great guest performance it was from the actor who played Dr. Ratner herself. Now, I don't think I mentioned last week either, but while I did like the idea of replacing spores with tendrils in the first episode, I wasn't entirely sold on their implementation visually. I wasn't sure if the CGI was going to look a little bit weird or whether it was going to be effective. Well, this very first scene in episode two proves that it absolutely is a cool change and that those tendrils are creepy as hell. Like that moment where the doctor leans down down to the dead infected woman on the table and those tendrils still come out of her mouth and try to reach and infect another person like that was skin crawlingly good that was so alien and so menacing all in all it's a cold terrifying sequence topped off with the doctor's advice bomb the city and don't look back so yeah this entire intro sequence definitely gets a big up from me and you know what keep them coming now, the episode's second big sequence actually addresses one of the few downs that I had about last week's hour. That being, the way that Ellie's immunity and her infection felt a little bit rushed and a little bit pushed to the side in favour of the focus being on Joel killing the Fedra agent. Fortunately, this beat gets the time it deserves here. With Joel and Tess grilling Ellie over her bite being a great scene in and of itself, with snappy dialogue building character as much as establishing rules of the universe. 
having Ellie receive another bite later on just to drive the idea that she's definitely, definitely immune home as well and settle Jill's nerves was also a nice touch. So yeah, another up. For as good as the characters and their dialogue are in this episode though, by far the best character has to be the city itself. By directly transplanting images, environments, and visuals straight from the game into live action, The Last of Us is able to quickly distinguish itself as not another zombie show. It has a distinct look, and all of that is down to the game admittedly, but good lord do they do just a fantastic job of adapting it authentically here. On the one hand, we've got the direct adaptations from the game and how joyous it is to just see them visualized. You know, we've got the museum, we've got the hotel, and of course those slanted skyscrapers framing those unbelievable wide-shot compositions. Next-level stuff, I love it. It all looks incredible, and it also helps that all of these environments are absolutely packed to the gills with video game references that'll make re-watching the show no doubt even more rewarding than it already would be. So yeah, if episode 1 and its depiction of Outbreak Day felt a little bit horror TV show 101, this is anything but. This is where The Last of Us really gets its own identity. And how could that be anything other than another big up? Like, I could look at this environment all day. If this show was just them walking around, talking about stuff, I'd be alright with it. However, it's not just about being authentic to the game, as props also have to go to Neil Druckmann's direction, and particularly Ksenia Serrata's cinematography. That's because not only do the individual shots look incredible and the set design in general is just amazingly authentic to the game, but it's the way that these shots and these images actually tell the story without words that's so impressive. It's how the set is used, not just the fact that the set is there and it looks cool. Little details like framing Joel and Ellie closer together as they start to connect is superb. As are moments like the look that Joel gives the broken watch his daughter gave him after a beautiful moment spent looking out at the skyline with Ellie. It's a great way to show the pair warming to each other without words and what Joel himself risks by letting himself become fatherly with another young girl. So yeah, the cinematography, the direction, the set design, big ups around here. Now, while the cutscenes of the game are, of course, incredible and can, as we've seen, just be transplanted along to live action pretty damn well without losing stuff, I've always figured that the hardest part of this adaptation is going to be adapting the gameplay. And I don't mean the action beats, I mean those moments where you control Joel and you're just milling around a town and you're getting to know Ellie. You're just having that banter and that ice begins to melt. That time spent with the characters is essential in establishing their bond, fleshing out their backstories and personalities, and connecting the audience to their plight. And it turns out the best way to capture that in the TV show is to pretty much just adapt it wholesale. Just literally take those moments where the characters are exploring and put it in the show. I almost lost my breath there. I'm that excited about this series. In this episode, we get stretches where the survivors are just navigating through the world, getting to know each other, all in one excellent scene, sitting down and asking each other questions while another companion shimmies through a hole to find a way forward. Tip-top stuff, what a fun way to adapt even the more rote mechanics of the video game and make them feel substantial and fun. Yeah, another up. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. More than anything else, though, this was an action-heavy episode, really emphasizing just how dangerous the infected can be, whilst also giving us a much closer look at how they work in general. And I thought the changes made to the infected's nature were great, with the hive mind idea instantly making them more deadly and, visually, more alien and more disturbing. They were already distinct enough from zombies anyway, but this concept widens that gulf even more. And what else can I even add to the conversation about how good that sequence was with the clickers? It's pretty much perfect, ratcheting up the tension by emphasizing the creatures as wild, chaotic threat, and just how dangerous even the slightest sound can be. When one of the scariest parts of an action scene is wondering whether a character is going to drop an empty shell casing while painstakingly reloading, you know you're onto something special, you know you've really grounded the threat and the action. The sound design here is absolutely impeccable too, more than living up to what's been established in the game. The practical effects looked amazing. It was just a perfectly adapted scene. I don't know how you could have done that better than what they accomplished. Also mimicking the scene from the Last of Us reveal trailer as Joel holds the revolver and the clicker sneaks up on him was also an amazing addition. Like, they're not just adapting the game here, they're adapting pretty much every bit of material that the game has even been associated with. It's really cool and like I said before in the previous episode, a really cool way to nod towards fans who are living and breathing this world. And of course, all of this takes us to the most heartbreaking moment of the episode, that of course being Tess's death. Now the game's depiction of this is of course incredible, but Tess actress Anatov more than lives up to the foundation that's already been established, giving an incredible performance for Tess's final moments. 
Actually, right from the moment her demanish shifts after she knows it's over but hasn't told the rest, brushing off a potentially tender moment with Joel as he patches up her ankle, Tov sells the desperation of needing one more win before she finally goes. I want to shout out the smaller details of the transformation here as well, with Tess twitching as she goes up the stairs towards the building, for instance, being a neat addition and something we didn't really see much of in the game. But it's Tov's farewell speech that definitely hits the hardest. Making subtle changes to the game's dialogue, it definitely resonated more for me here. Her admission that she felt for Joel in a way that he never did for her delivers a brutal blow that does deepen her character. And her instruction to Joel to save who he can just give me chills. Like, I'm getting chills just talking about it. I loved that delivery. So yeah, Anatov in this sequence, the way that Tessa's death is built up to, ups across the board. So tragic, so heartbreaking. I wish we could have had more of this actress. I also love her admission that saving Ellie can start to chip away at the moral debt that they both accrued during the apocalypse so far. As she says, both she and Joel are not good people, but there's no reason that they couldn't be in the future. Now, I've seen some discussion online arguing that Petro Pascal undersells the drama of this entire scene, and that him bolting with Ellie so quickly is more funny than it is tragic, and unsurprisingly, I could not disagree more. In fact, his reaction to this entire thing was one of the most powerful moments of the episode for me. You can see the deflation on his face as he comes to terms with yet another loss, while the immediacy of him bolting as soon as Tess gives him the instruction to go, to me, that speaks volumes about who he is as a character. Now though, time for the most controversial part of the episode, and that's actually the precise way that Tess dies in the adaptation. With this episode being all about the infected, unlike the game, Tess isn't gunned down by Fedra soldiers, but in fact sacrifices herself to take out the horde of infected that are chasing Ellie and Joel. More than that, before she's able to light the fuel on the floor, a fellow infected approaches her, potentially recognizing her as one of theirs as she's beginning to turn, and in a sickening moment, extends his tendrils down her throat, showing us a mode of infection otherwise not really seen. Now, on the one hand, I can appreciate what this sequence is trying to do on paper. It certainly is sickening and uncomfortable to watch, and also conveys the infected as a hive mind that are connected to each other through stomach-churning means. And I also like the way that this does call back to the very first scene of the episode. In that sense, it does pay off as a plot point and as a visual, but for me, I just don't love the way that it reframes Tess as a character, and this isn't entirely the fault of this scene alone, but actually stuff that was established in episode 1. And that's because in the game, Tess has so much agency as a character. Like in the show, she's in charge of her partnership with Joel, but we get multiple moments where that's emphasized so much more. For instance, it's she who spearheads the revenge mission against Robert, and she even executes him in cold blood. And while I do think that saving the first human kill for Joel's flashback did work in episode 1, it also reframed a moment that, in the game, was all about Tess to now be entirely about her partner. So without that and a few of the changes, it does feel like this version of Tess has less agency and is more there to facilitate changes in Joel's character rather than be her own entity. Now this will probably be less of an issue for TV viewers admittedly, but as a fan of the game, I can't help but feel that while I can understand why they made these changes, it does rob Tess of her active participation in the story. She'd still get some agency, but nowhere near enough and a lot of her big developments are actually 
actually to inform Joel's character rather than for her to exist and develop as her own entity, like I said. And unfortunately, for that reason, it does get it down. But I want to end this video on a high note, so let's run down some really cool things that happened that, again, I couldn't fit into the script, but do want to shout out. First, that piano playing Frog. What a legend, what a scene, hope to see more of him. Second, Ellie eating the chicken sandwich while Joel and Tess are just eating like tree bark or beef jerky, whatever the hell that was. We've got Joel and Ellie's snark all the way throughout the episode. This show continues to be surprisingly funny. And of course, we've got Tess's lighter, which is actually a reference to Uncharted 4, which I did not catch at first, but have since seen online. And that's really cool. I love those little Easter eggs littered throughout. So yeah, that's my review of The Last of Us Episode 2. I want to know what you guys think down in the comments below. How are you finding the show now that we've seen the first two eps and we've settled into a groove? And what are you looking forward to to come if you have played the games? If you haven't, what do you think is going to happen next? Like I say, trying to keep future game spoilers as a minimum in the comments, please. I'm trying that in the actual review itself as well. I've rambled on long enough, though. Thank you guys so much for watching, and hopefully I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.